You know, I, I hear it said that uh, this is supposed to be the most wonderful time of the year. Sometimes it feels like the most chaotic time of the year. Amen. The most stressful time of the year. <sighs> Everyone else done with their shopping? Yes. Who, who, show of hands. Who still has Christmas shopping to do? <laughs> we got the, the kids done. Uh, they are completely done. Uh, it's, it's a little difficult. One of the things we did with the kids, uh, it's been a few years now, we decided we were going to try to focus. And Jen had found this. You get them a, four different gifts, one that they want, one that they wear, one that they need, and one that they read. So it's a want, wear, need, read, and we've been doing that, and it's, it's worked great. Um, although it just seems like every year I keep spending more money and more money, and I was thinking, well... We should have been able to narrow this down so it was less money and less money. It hasn't quite worked out that way. But we also found like this stark contrast with our kids and their lists. So we get them a list and it's, you know, your want, your wear, your need, your read. And they're supposed to put in three, four, five items, something like that. We have one of our children that knows she is fully aware that we are going to say no to everything on her list. <laughs> and she puts it on there anyways. We have another one that doesn't know if we'll say no or not. So she's going to go ahead and put it on her list. We have another one that doesn't know if we'll say yes. So she just refuses to put it on her list. And then we have another one that he just doesn't care. Take a stab at which one that is. And it's interesting because they've got all of these different things. And of course, then me, the preacher that I am, I see this parallel in the body of Christ when it comes to us trying to receive things from God. We operate the same way as one of my four children. We either assume that he will say no, even though he really doesn't say no unless it's outside of his will. But there are people that know that it's outside of his will and they'll ask anyways. Like, God, give me that woman to be my wife. I know that she's already married, but I want her. That's a big old no on that one. Then you've got those that they just don't know. And they're like, God, I, I don't know if you're going to give me a raise at work or if you can give me a promotion, but I would sure like one. Maybe you can make it happen. And, well, he makes it happen. They just go ahead and ask. And those that have no clue, and they're like, well, I don't, I don't know. I'm, I mean, I've, I've tried reading my Bible, and I can't see where God says he would give it to me, so I'm just not going to ask at all. It's like, but you don't know. What does it hurt to ask? And then you've got those that they're just so in the world that they just don't care. And they're like, well, whatever. I mean, if God wants to give me something, he's going to give me something. And if he doesn't, he doesn't. And Whatever. And we all kind of fall into these same scenarios. And I was thinking about that, especially when it came to this message. And it, and it was looking at this because we're doing this series, Sounds of the Season, where we're looking at not just Christmas carols, but Christmas music. And this week, it is another carol, but I want us to look at the song, Joy to the World. 
Because I think what often happens is this is that time of the year where it's supposed to be the most wonderful, it's supposed to be the most joyful, and it turns out to be the most stressful time of the year. And because of that, because there's so much stress and there's like this lack of joy, we don't seek joy. And the problem is, it's like hope. If we don't have the hope, we know where to find the hope. If we don't have the joy, we ought to know where to find the joy. But sometimes we don't put joy on our Christmas list. Sometimes we're not asking for that joy. And when it comes to that song, Joy to the World, the Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing. And yet the problem for many of us is it's so easy for us to come into this building and sing. And yet it's so difficult for us to go out of this building and actually live. Because we sing about joy. We sing about peace. We sing about love. But to go out and actually live that way, that's where it becomes hard. And this time of the year that should be the most wonderful becomes some of the most stressful. Not just because, well, it's 2020. But because for some people, this is their first Christmas without loved ones. For some people, this is the first Christmas where they haven't been able to travel to go see family. Or family hasn't been able to travel to come see them. For some, this is one of those first Christmases where things are tight financially and they haven't been able to celebrate Christmas the way that they wanted to celebrate Christmas. And because of all of these stressors that take place, we get ready to go into what should be the most wonderful time of the year and the most joyous day of the year, but yet we go through with this baggage, this burden, this heaviness, the weight of all the cares that we've got, all of the anxieties, all of the fears, all of that has then just kind of hit us and we're missing joy. But I would ultimately say it's because we don't understand what joy is. If you've got your Bibles, I want you to turn here to the book of Nehemiah. And I want you to look at Nehemiah chapter 8, You've probably heard this scripture quoted many times, the joy of the Lord is our strength. Heard it many times, quoted it many times, but not sure where to find it most of the time. And I'm going to see if I can even find it here. Nehemiah chapter 8, for those that don't have it, we're going to have it up on the screen as well. Don't you love when the preacher can't even find it? Oh, that's Nahum. We're going to Nehemiah. Trust me, we're going to Nehemiah. Nehemiah 
Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther. I keep going back to the minor prophets instead of the major ones. The reason I'm taking so much time and I want to make sure that we actually go there, if you've got your Bibles, is because I think that a lot of times with many of us, the words that we see on a screen, the words that we see on a page, they don't often jump out of the page and hit us in a way that they should. And so I want us to be able to look at these and to see these because this is one of those often quoted often paraphrased verses in the Bible. But there's something inside here that I think we miss. We say the joy of the Lord is our strength. We repeat the joy of the Lord of our strength. We sing the joy of the Lord is our strength. But we don't understand the joy of the Lord being our strength. And see, this was at a time where they're getting ready to enjoy the Feast of Tabernacles. And and right before this, it says in verse uh, 8, actually verse 9 here of chapter 8, It says, And Nehemiah, who was the governor, Ezra, the priest and scribe, and the Levites, who taught the people, said to all the people, This day is holy to the Lord your God. Do not mourn nor weep. For all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send the portions to those for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy to our Lord. Do not sorrow, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, for the day is holy. Do not be grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and drink, to send portions and rejoice greatly, because they understood the words that were declared to them. See, there's something here for the joy of the Lord to really become our strength. We have to understand the words that are declared. We have to understand. And that's the problem is most of us lack understanding because we think about joy and what we're really meaning is happiness. And happiness is not the same as joy. Happiness is based on happenings. It's based on what is going around. Happiness is an external feeling. Joy is an internal feeling. Joy is is based on what is inside us, not on what is around us. And, And for the Israelites to understand this, that the joy of the Lord is our strength, it wasn't what was happening around them. It wasn't what was going on in their world. It wasn't the fact that they read the words of the law and all of a sudden they were grieved because of it and convicted because of it and then they just wanted to weep and mourn. They understood that this was a time to have joy. They understood what was really happening on the inside of them. And that's where they were able to tap in to this joy. They had to understand the words declared. This time of year, Christmas time, most of us Christians don't understand the words that were declared. There are Christians that are still wondering, is God with me? And yet the words that were declared is, he is with you. And yet Christians fail to understand that. They think they're alone 
They're going into this Christmas time with family members that aren't there, not able to travel to family, not able to celebrate the way they wanted to celebrate. And there's this emptiness and there's this loneliness because they don't understand that God is with them. If they understood that God was with them, does it really matter who isn't with them? If they understood fully that God gave the best gift he could ever give 2,000 years ago, he gave us his son. If we really understood that that's the best gift that we all have, does it really matter that our finances weren't where we wanted them to give other gifts? We all got the best gift. You think that trinket that you were picking up at the dollar store was somehow going to top Jesus? But we don't understand that. We sing, but we don't live. In Matthew chapter 1, here was, here was the words that were declared to us. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, the birth of Jesus was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take you marry your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins." So all of this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated, God with us. This was the word that was declared, not just to Joseph. Not, not just to Joseph, because it was fulfilled from the prophecy of Isaiah. It, it was fulfilled from that prophecy that was given hundreds of years before Jesus came. That prophecy fulfilled. It was given to them. It was given to Joseph. It's given to us. See, we just now benefit from the fact that this has now happened. Israel Prior to Jesus' birth, they just had this prophecy. It's going to happen. It's, it's going to be here. And so they looked forward to that. Then you got Joseph, and he's looking at the belly, and he's like, there's a child in there. And angel just appeared to me and said, that's, that's going to be him. That's the fulfillment of this prophecy, which means my wife is carrying the Messiah. And so he's got that he can see. And now we, having been here for 2,000 years after he came, it wasn't that he's going to come. Oh, no, it's that he did come. And his name shall be Emmanuel. God with us. He's with us. He's with us. The, the, the problem that we have is this lack of understanding that we don't understand those words. We don't understand the words that he was given to us. The Messiah came for us to save us. 
God gave the greatest gift. John 3.16 tells us that. God so loved the world. If you don't know who the world is, you're part of the world. That means everything there absolutely is and everyone in it. God so loved the world, he gave his son. And yet Jesus, at the same time, gave us a gift of his own sacrifice. Jesus offered himself up. See, the, the funny thing is, not funny haha, but funny as in part, partially ironic. We think about Christmas time, that's when God gave us the gift. But we often don't think about how Easter was Jesus giving us a gift. It's like I'm, I'm all about anymore celebrating Christmas all year round. Because come Easter, that's just the Christmas gift that just kept on giving. I mean, all year round in our lives, Jesus is the gift that keeps giving. And it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. The joy of the Lord is our strength. Jesus, our Lord, is our strength. The joy of Jesus being our Lord is our strength. When it's a stressful time, we've got a strength that's inside us that we can tap into. It is the joy of having Jesus as our Lord. If we will understand these words that were declared, if we can get our minds and our hearts wrapped around this, around this fact that this, He, was the ultimate gift for us. What do these other gifts really matter? I mean, sure, they're nice. But the problem is all of this other stuff, it consumes our time and our attention. It consumes us. Pastor Colleen just a little bit ago started stepping all over my sermon. It wasn't even, she didn't even step on it. She was up here like river dancing on that thing. Just tapping all over it. I'm like, standing back there, I was like, I should just sit down. She can just go ahead and preach the message. Because the thing is, is we're so consumed with all of the other gifts that we're going to be buying. We're so consumed with all of the other people that we're going to be seeing. We're so consumed with all of the other food that we're going to be eating. And yet... Here's God saying, you know, it's Jesus' birthday. What did you get him? What have you actually got for him? Because he gave you everything. And, and then we put ourselves in this position. If we are willing to ask that question, what are we giving? You see, on his birthday... There were these three wise men. We call them the wise men. They showed up and they gave treasure chest. Anybody get Jesus a treasure chest? Matthew chapter 2, verse 11. Look at this. It says, When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, fell down, worshipped him. And when they had opened up their treasures, they presented to him gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Show of hands, how many people have received gold for Christmas? Maybe, maybe a couple. Think about necklaces. 
earrings, rings, maybe some people got some gold. Anybody received frankincense? Anybody know what frankincense is? How about myrrh? And this is the gift. I'm, I'm looking at like my kids' lists and it's like, I, I want some dolls that are going to cost you $150 because they don't make them anymore. I want something that you can only get from Target that's going to cost you a hundred bucks. I want some vinyl. Vinyl. What? Be more specific, child. Vinyl. Oh, and I want a hamster. No. She, she knew it was a no before she even asked. Oh, you still got to get me something? Let me see my list. I want to add something to it. No, you are not putting any animals on that list. Again, not going to happen. What about a gerbil? No. A little pig? No. Can I get a corgi? No. You get nothing. But we don't get them gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And yet that's what these guys bring to Jesus. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, of course, gold was typically given to kings. So, I mean, it's quite symbolic that here's Jesus, this child, and they knew the prophecy that he was going to be the king. So they brought gold for the young king. Frankincense is actually like this incense that was lit to pre present this like aroma inside altars. It was a form of worship. And so they recognized that, okay, so he's not only king, but it's also recognizing his deity as God. But myrrh, myrrh's the tricky one. Myrrh is an embalming fluid. Myrrh is an embalming fluid. You use it when somebody's dead. But hold on, they recognize Jesus as being king, God, and man. It also represents his lordship, his deity, and his death. And yet all three of those are gifts for us. Because he is our Lord, still today, leading us, ruling over us, to provide and protect for us. He is still our God here today, Emmanuel, God with us that has never left us and never forsaken us. And yet his death is still that gift that keeps on giving because he died once for all. And it's through those three gifts that these wise men gave him that speaks volumes to the gift that we then received. But it begs the question, what are you giving to God? What are you giving? This is Christmas, Christ Mass. It is the celebration of the birth of Christ. It's his birthday. What did you get him? Toys for your kids? Power tools for your husband? Jewelry for your wives? Food for your own bellies? What did you get Jesus?
joy. Joy of the Lord is our strength. If we're not able to understand that, we can't actually give him something. See, that joy comes from this internal place, not the things that are happening around. That's the the thing that we got to get and we got to understand. Joy is internal. And what we give God has to come internally. It's not externally. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh, what was he going to do with them? It doesn't talk about what he did with them. Why? Because it doesn't matter. But yet Jesus was very clear in talking about what we are to give him. Very clear in that. Because in Matthew chapter 22, verse 37 and 38, they were asking him, what's the greatest commandment? What's the greatest thing that we can do for you? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. You want to know what you can give him? It's in that song, joy to the world. The Lord has come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. We consume our thoughts, our intentions, and our hearts with everything else this season, and we haven't left room for Jesus, let alone prepared room for Jesus. And he's saying, you got to love me with your whole heart. Is it loving Jesus with our whole heart if we're like, oh, wait, um, we're like less than a week away from Christmas and I haven't thought about what I was going to get you yet? Is that loving him with your whole heart? You've been thinking about everybody else, what you were getting them. You even had a list for them. You want to know what Jesus wants? He gave you the list. I want your heart. I want your heart. Which is essentially the same thing he was saying to Pastor Colleen when she's standing here and she's like, I felt God saying, I want more of you. He doesn't want the leftovers. He doesn't want us to say, oh, Josh, good job. You bought presents for your kids. You haven't even shopped for your wife yet, but you didn't even think about me. That's not loving him with all of our heart. That's not preparing room for him. See, this has been a chaotic and crazy week for us this week, and part of it was because we got new furniture. We get new furniture. You know what has to happen when when the new furniture comes in? You got to prepare the room. You want to know what we should be doing when it comes time for Christmas? We should be preparing Him room, making sure that our hearts are ready for Him. So then it doesn't matter what the finances look like. It doesn't matter what family members aren't there. It doesn't matter where we're going or where we're not going. It doesn't matter what we're eating. Yes, I love cheesecake. Yes, I love pumpkin bars. But as long as I got the beef and noodles, I'm okay. I mean, it it doesn't matter what we have. If we've prepared the heart for Jesus... The rest of the stuff doesn't matter. The rest of the stuff is just icing on the cake. Jesus needs to be in our hearts. And if this is the time of year that we're celebrating him, don't you think our focus should be on him?
See, the interesting part about being a preacher and getting up and giving you guys these messages is I, I see the moments. I'm, I'm scanning, looking at your eyes. And I, I see those moments on your face when all of a sudden you, you felt like Israel back there in Nehemiah where you wanted to grieve. You wanted to weep because you, you just heard the word. And it was like, ooh, that stung and you stepped on my toes a little hard, preacher man. I don't like it. I see those reactions. I get them. I get them because I got them before you did. I'm preparing these messages, and all of a sudden, God's like, <laughs> guess what you got to go through, Josh? I'm like, how? But, but, it, but it hurts. And he's like, yeah, but the joy of the Lord is your strength. And if you understand the word that is declared to you, that's when the joy comes. You see, happiness is this temporary feeling based on external happenings. Joy is internal, and it's not temporary. Joy lasts. Joy remains. Joy is there for us. If we can just lean into that. I want to read a couple other passages here as we wrap up. And the first one, I'll pull it up on the screen. It's Romans chapter 8, verse 12 through 17. It says, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God, joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. And then in Galatians 4, chapter, or verse 3 through 7, Even so, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of time had come, God set forth his Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has set forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. I love that in verse 6. He says, because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts. He has sent the spirit into our hearts. And that spirit, when preparing room, wants to do exactly what joy to the world says. Let heaven and nature sing. We need to sing, Abba, Father. We need to sing that the Lord has come, that His Spirit is in our hearts. And the easy part is singing. But when we start to understand the words that we are singing, the words that have been declared to us, then all of a sudden, true joy takes place. In 
this time, Christmas time, can often be the most stressful time. And for many people, it's not going to look like it has in the past. Christmas looks a little different. And that means that we may not be happy because the external happenings are not the same. But internally, everything remains. Internally, Jesus is still your Lord. He's still your Savior. He's still your King. He's still your God. And if we will focus on that, even in the midst of an unhappy season, joy can rise up inside. The temporary feelings of happiness get pushed away. And the longing, the length of joy will take over. I challenge you this week to prepare him room to make sure that your hearts are focused on him. Take some time every day. Do it in the morning and do it in the evening. When you get up in the morning, just thank him. Just praise him. Just declare who he is. And when you lay your head down at night, do the exact same thing. It's one of the easiest ways to prepare room for him. If you start off and you end up with just Jesus, it's loving the Lord our God with all our heart. Let's pray.